My name's Tom Jennings. And I'm Joachim Thies. And this is the Masters of Cinema cast. And before we begin, just want to do a little bit of um, kind of an update on where we're going. I am in the process of changing the, uh, well, setting up a blog and getting a domain name out there. But for, we've got some temporary arrangements for the moment, which is, if you want to come over to the blog, it's mockcast.blogspot.com. And we'll be posting up um, kind of episodes and news and things like that there until we kind of change over the domain name. I'm having a little bit of problems doing that at the moment. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at MOC underscore cast and you can email us at mastersofcinemacast at gmail.com. Um, this episode is going to be based around Johnny Toe's um, Mad Detective. But before we get on with that, we're just going to do a little bit of a roundup of what's been going on. And we've had a few titles that have actually been pushed back. What's going on there? Um, Masters of Cinema, they announced that the complete films of Sadao Yamanaka and the same with uh, The Murder Lives at 21, they have been pushed back until 20th of May this year. So, Right, I'm definitely looking forward to The Murder Lives at number 21. I mean, um, saying that, I was a bit gutted actually when that one came out because I've become a massive fan of Henri Clouseau's work over the over the past year i guess and that was one that i was particularly going to be looking out for we've also got some news that um uh, craig keller from criterion for and what was he actually been saying recently uh, he announced that on their website they will be doing a bit of spring cleaning and i was in i was uh, checking out their website earlier today and i noticed that the uh, muriel oletan retour it was uh, previously announced as DVD not available, soon dual format, but now it is just announced as DVD not avail- available. No. So uh, the uh, dual format might not be coming as soon as we had hoped. But the other title that is released as uh, soon dual format is Taboo, and that is unchanged. So, Right, cool. Oh, no, it's on Facebook as well. They put out a thing saying, uh, put out a post, sorry, talking about um, their favourite releases of the previous year. What one did you actually go for? Uh, I think, uh, well, they divided it into 10 films or something over several days, but I voted at least for Touch of Evil. I can't remember the other one, so. Yeah, I mean, I put out Touch of Evil as well. I thought, I mean, going back to that, I've, I've actually gone back to watch that. I'd love, you know, love a look at that um, package again. I think, I, think, I think it could be the... Uh, in, I know it's probably not my favourite release, but I certainly think it could be the best release that Masters of Cinema have ever put out. I certainly think it was uh, worth getting. I feel slightly sorry as well for people who live abroad because it's, a, it's, only, it's region B locks, that one, isn't it? And I know a lot of them, um, they are multi-region, so it's a bit of a shame. I wonder if Criterion will actually kind of pick that one up mm. um, as well, but we shall see. Um, I don't think there's anything else really to kind of go into um, with regards to Masters of Cinema news. I mean, ha- um, I don't think there's any been anything in relation to kind of like price drops or anything like that. I do keep an eye on Amazon to see how much the kind of um, uh, the prices are fluctuating. Uh, not on Amazon. I'd usually just buy from them directly. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I have I've noticed a few though. Um, I mean, those um, I can certainly recommend to people if you if you do want to buy the steel um book editions because the actual kind of the value of those seems to go up quite quickly as soon as they come out. I've noticed them. Um, um, the I think it was the silent running one. I think it was up, up to like thirty quid or something the other day. So you could even justify it to yourself that you're making some kind of financial investment if you uh, feel uh, guilty about spending most of your hard-earned cash on Blu-rays, as I sometimes do. With all that aside, we're going to get on with this week's featured review, which is going to be a look at Spine Number Two, which is Johnny Toe's Mad Detective. Mm-hmm. 
So, Mad Detective. Now, I think this is one of the films that they put out, which it's not, um, it's a very contemporary film in many respects, isn't it? And um, I, I sort of went into this. I'd never seen it before, really. And I, I went into it and I, I'm, I'm still very unsure about Mad Detective, which we'll kind of get into there kind of a little bit um, later. But I mean, what, what are your kind of like impressions of this film? And you know, it's kind of part in the Masters of Cinema catalog. It's, it's certainly an oddity, isn't it? I think we can kind of agree on that. That is true. Yeah, uh, because it it is as a contemporary film, as you said, but I think it shows the the range of uh, Masters of Cinema, that they can release these silent Murnau films and they can also release these Hong Kong psychological thrillers that are, they may not be as uh, highly regarded in the artistic sense, but they are just very entertaining films, I feel, mm. at least. Yeah, and I mean, this is, on paper, where you kind of explain to you, you'd say, you know, it's another kind of Hong Kong um, cop film kind of noir thing and obviously I think that instantly kind of it does sound very familiar but certainly Mad Detective is I think I think it offers a, certainly a, a, a very um, sort of new take on that genre obviously we kind of get into that in, in a little bit but I mean did you actually see this film when it came out on its sort of theatrical release? I saw it at a film festival here in Norway um, but I hadn't revisited it until I uh, bought the Master Cinema release yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't even heard of it, to be honest with you, before it came out on Masters of Cinema. And it's quite strange because I think Hong Kong cinema, kind of Asian cinema in general, I, I do I do watch films from all over the world, but I don't have that kind of um, affection or kind of obsession that a lot of people have for Asian cinema. I don't I don't kind of seek it out perhaps so much. I mean, I got kind of, you know, I, I was very much into kind of things like Infernal, Infernal Affairs, but I was never really when I was, you know, when everyone else seems to be kind of obsessed with like the John Woo stuff, I, that never really did much for me and when I go back and I watch those types of films I don't I, I don't have the nostalgia for it and I, I obviously kind of admire the kind of technical aspects of it but I've never really been into that what's your kind of relationship with Asian cinema do you watch a lot of it I went through a phase uh, when I was uh, in high school in Norway where I used to watch a lot of Asian films I just got tired of watching American films and uh, Norwegian yeah. films and these just they offer us a very different viewpoint on society than I was used to. So this juxtaposition of very violent themes and very comedic themes just uh, sort of appealed to me and definitely Mad Detective falls in that category. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing about kind of the humour of Asian films. It completely falls flats on me. <laughs> I, 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 it just doesn't do anything for me. And it, it, I'm quite miserable. I mean, anyway, I don't, I don't watch a great deal of comedies and I don't really... I, I don't seek them out as much, really, and I, I, it sounds quite 
quite miserable. But I mean, I was listening to a, a Ridley Scott um, commentary the other day, and he actually said sort of like, not much in life makes him laugh. And I sort of kind of really identified with that because, <laughs> and it's not so much I'm miserable. I mean, I'm quite kind of a, a generally kind of happy person, but the humour of these of those kind of Asian things, it doesn't ever. It, I've never laughed at anything I've ever seen. I, I sort of it just it just washes completely over me. But going back to kind of Mad Detective, I mean, Johnny Toe is. I, I've never seen any of his films other than this, and I was amazed. This guy is seriously prolific. I mean, I think something like 55 films in 33 years, and he's also produced something in the region over, over 60. I mean, have you seen any of these other stuff? I've seen uh, quite a few. I've seen uh, both of his uh, election films, which are sort of a triad uh, films like The Godfather for Hong Kong. Yeah, if you would. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they are very good films. I would highly really? recommend um, them. Yeah, can you, are they easy to get hold of? or I think you can okay? get them quite easily in Europe uh, and right. in America. So, yeah. I mean, I might, I might, you know, feel inclined to kind of check them out. But I wonder why. I mean, he's never made anything outside of Asia, has he? As far as I'm aware. I don't no. think he's, he, hasn't, he hasn't been one of these who's who's been kind of... Um, you know, kind of brought over to the West and I suppose sanitized. And in a way, I think that's quite a good thing because once we kind of saw what happened with people like John Woo, mm. and they kind of they once they kind of get taken out of that environment, they just end up sort of doing what they do, but making kind of extremely bland, boring films. And it, it, I'm glad, I'm so pleased that people like you know someone like Johnny Toe. I mean, although I've never seen any of the other films, I'm, it, it just makes me happy that for some, you know, he hasn't actually had that kind of watering down. And it's like one of the things. I mean, I just watched um. Bellatar film, the Turing horse, and you. There's another one who he would never have a place in kind of you know Western American cinema, and I, I think it's good that we have. There are those who are kind of off limits, as it were, but it's also part of. I mean, he's part of a um, collaboration, isn't he? Really, that's his kind of. Um, you know, he has a. Is it Wei? Um, you're pretty better than the name of me. You pronounce it. Uh, Wei Kai Fai. Yeah. I think I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation, but uh, he has uh, made um, several films with this filmmaker. But I've never heard of Wei Kai Fai before. Yeah, I've seen uh, Full Time Killer, which is another collaboration he made with Johnny To, and that is um, a fun action thriller where Andy Lau, which should be uh, known from a Final Affairs from uh, for most yeah. people, he plays a hitman of sorts, and that also is also a very good film. Oh, right, cool. I might even kind of check that out. But yeah, because they have their production company, um, Milky Way Image. I don't really know much about this, to be honest with you. I don't know the sort of how kind of prestigious this is kind of seen within Hong Kong cinema. Is that some, I mean, are you aware of any sort of, it's sort of standing as it were within that industry? Um, no, I just know that they produce quite a lot of films, but I don't know if they are highly regarded or anything. No. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it amazes me. I'm just going back to 55 films in 33 years. That is seriously impressive to mm. to just churn out that many and obviously i can't comment on the kind of the overall quality of them but um it's just mad when you i think that uh usually with hong kong films you get a couple of good ones and then you yeah. get quite a few duds yeah, as well yeah yeah I, I... when you go through a filmography of a certain filmmaker so it's but some same thing like paul thomas anderson you know what makes a film like once every four years or something like that and you know, and they <laughs> said this guy's like churning him out like that but getting on with mad detective i suppose i mean synopsis of this film i mean what is this one really about because i've tried to explain it to people and the best i could come up with it's kind of like a psychological film noir thriller type of a thing i mean it focuses on a cop called bun played by and i will let you pronounce this name lao ching one who is a schizophrenic former police inspector who 
he's kind of really kind of quite a cliche kind of storyline when he kind of just comes out of retirement to help a rookie detective play um, someone called Ho played by Andy on to solve a rather kind of twisty windy complex murder case involving a missing colleagues and missing guns and missing Indian and a suspected policeman and he suffers from multiple personality disorder but he has one rather kind of exceptional um, gift which is he actually sees people and how, how would you describe this? What is he actually seeing when he looks at them? It's like their kind of personality manifests itself as a different character, doesn't it? I think he's commenting on the fact that we all play different roles in our society, yeah. where, whether we're with friends or with family or with the work friends. So it's different aspects of our personality that are battling to dominate, basically. Yeah, and in the context of him, you actually see this person, don't you? You will see the person who they actually are, then you will see yeah. them kind of uh, being played by someone who is looks completely different, even a different sex in some cases. And it's an extremely bizarre kind of way. And it's one of the things about it, when you first watch Mad Detective, I think it's it's almost impenetrable on its first viewing. And this is one of the things that I didn't enjoy about it. I, I I have a kind of a thing really where when a film's like really, really complicated, unless I'm really, really invested in the storyline, I do tend, my, my concentration does tend to kind of waver a little bit. And when I first saw Mad Detective, I, I was struggling to keep up. I have to be honest with you. I was, I, I was sort of thinking, what, what is actually going on? And I, I knew it was quite interesting on the basis that we were having all these kind of different perspectives and seeing all these kind of different characters. It reminded me a little bit of, um, I don't know if you've ever read the novel His Dark Materials by Philip Pullman, in which uh, it was made into a horrific film, um, The Golden Compass. But in that, there's this kind of like, you see um, something called a demon, which is like um, the manifestation of someone's like personality in the form of an animal that walks around with them. And it, in a way, it kind of reminded me like a little bit with this kind of the way in which you would see like a character and you see like, you know, there'd be a gluttonous person or the next thing you'd see the kind of a female standing next to them. And it, it, I did enjoy that. But the story itself, I found to be um, hugely uninteresting in many respects and it was kind of it seems to be like a troll through several kind of different kind of cop cliches you know sort of the missing gun and you know the kind of the internal uh, corruption of going on in the police and when i went back and watched mad detective again and i sort of was able to kind of tune into it i i enjoyed the film a lot more but i still felt that there's something kind of lacking really and it's a strange one because normally when i watch a film i'm normally I can normally say I either like it or I dislike it. With Mad Detective, I'm quite apathetic towards it in many respects. I mean, what was your kind of first impressions in seeing it? Uh, the first time I saw it uh, theatrically, I had the same problem as you, where I there's just so incredibly a, a dense amount of plot uh, that is thrown at you, and you have a hard time filtering out what is important and uh, what do I need to concentrate on and just picking up all the details on the second viewing made me appreciate it even more and then when I watched it I think I watched it three or four times now and I just found that it gets richer and richer every time I see it and especially in terms of the characters uh, that I can I feel I can relate to it more and I feel that he um, weaves them together in a much more impressive way when I can see how they all reflect each other and different paths they could have taken. So uh, I I quite enjoy the film, but I can totally see that it is a difficult film to get into and you have to 
you have to relate to the characters. You're not going to find the plot to be that as interesting because it's just the plot is very cliche, as he said, but it's just multiplied by four, as David Bordwell yeah, says, that definitely. you have this incredibly complicated plot that either is going to grab you or it's not. Yeah. Yeah, and it, this thing—I mean, it's—it's it's only um, it's, it's it's under an hour and a half long, isn't it? It's not a very long film at all. No, and, not at and, all. and there's so much that goes in on it. And again, I mean, I, I think perhaps you know, on future viewings, I might kind of find myself kind of liking it a little bit more. But I mean, let's kind of like just talk about you know, kind of the, the, the characters and the, the way that kind of the film sets up because it does have an incredibly striking opening, doesn't it? It's you sort of we start off with this kind of track over all these knives and stuff like that, and then we just kind of come to this guy stabbing a pig, um, <laughs> strung up, and this is when I, you know, and I'm sat there thinking, what on earth is going on? I mean, what did what did you make of that kind of opening? I'm used to watching Hong Kong films where we have these eccentric characters, and uh, I wasn't as taken aback with it as you are, but of course I was, I was surprised that we were we were watching this delusional uh, eccentric officer just stabbing a pig in the office, you know. Uh, it's quite quirky. But it is, uh, I think it's a brave thing to expose us to this kind of madness in the beginning and expect us to relate to this character through the film. Yeah, and I mean, because I mean, he's obviously in doing this, it's, I, I suppose, one of the things I was actually thinking was it sort of reminded me of Michael Mann's Manhunter you know, when you have this kind of like the, the detective who's able to kind of kind of like get into the mindset of these people. But I mean, the thing about kind of um, you know, Detective Bun is, is that he literally, when when he's sort of acting out these kind of cr this craziness, I mean, at one stage he actually gets someone to put him in a, a suitcase and then throw him down the stairs a few times. And then we kind of see, don't we, like, you know, he solved these crimes where, you know, this has been a factor in, you know, the, the, the crime that's taking place. And Again, I, this is where my sort of Asian cinema thing kind of comes because I'm watching that thinking, oh, this is, it's all very quirky, but I don't know whether I'm meant to be laughing at it. I mean, you know, I, I don't quite know what to kind of make out of it. And instead, I'm looking at this absolute nutcase where, you know, when they're giving the um, retiring police officer presents and he just cuts his ear off, I mean, and, and gives it to him. I'm watching that and... Is that, is that uh, my first sort of thing is is that a dream sequence you know you can because i'm sort of thinking you, there's no way you could literally just cut your art your ear off and be completely and utterly kind of just sat with a blank expression on your face you know you'd be in agony like rolling around the floor and i don't know about you but when he cuts his ear off and it, it's something we do go back to we know we, we see that he's wearing a fake ear later on i'm sure and i don't know whether or not this is um, a continuity error, but I'm sure he cuts off his right ear, and then later on in the film we see that it's actually his left ear that has been removed. And I might, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty certain that was the case. Is that something you noticed? Because I wasn't sure. Like, you know, am I meant to see this? Is literally that's what he's done, or is it like, you know, again, is it part of this kind of mad acting out stuff? I don't really know. You know, that's the sort of thing. And that's why I sort of become quite frustrated with this film. Yeah, I don't think I picked up the continuity error if there was one, but. Um... This uh, this scene, I, I I struggle with it as, with it as well because I'm not sure. I th maybe it's a culture thing, but uh, it's this sort of offering up respect to your officers yeah, yeah. and to your uh, the authority uh, or the hierarchy system. Uh, but I never really 
understood his decision and I had to read on Wikipedia to understand that he did this to offer himself basically to right. service for his boss. Right. So it was a kind of like a pledge of eternal kind of service yeah. as it were. Yeah. And this is because the film starts off right away. And I think looking through nature, you made an excellent point when you, which is that Bun as a character, he, he, he kind of does my head in a little bit really with this sort of I mean, this madness and especially that kind of scene where you know he's looking at that girl and like her kind of alter ego is telling trying to convince her to steal some nail varnish or something like that when he's in a shop and he he goes over and he starts shouting her and stuff like that and you're like what the hell is going on and i, I think one of the best things about this film is the creation of the detective ho character the rookie played by andy on because i think you've actually made the point that this was your sort of this is this is the way you can kind of get into mad detective isn't it through this guy mm. Which is uh, quite interesting considering the path that Ho takes uh, through the movie. And I feel that uh, Johnny Toe is basically, he's playing on our sympathies by allowing us to sympathise with the character that will be the bad guy, basically. This is what I mean, kind of going into, you know, when we sort of talk about the, the, sort of the complexities of kind of film noir and things like that, is that often when these stories go, I, off, I, I think one of the things about film noir is that often the story is secondary to the characters. You know, it's about mood and it's about atmosphere. And this is why I find Mad Detective when I'm watching it, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what to be interested in really. And it's one of the things where, you know, I'm seeing this kind of Officer Ho character and I do like, you know, the guy plays it really well. And I, especially I love the way in which we kind of see his kind of um, alternate personality, which is this kind of quite, um, I suppose, I suppose, meek child almost isn't it? or adolescent or someone like that who kind of he looks incredibly nervous and, and insecure yeah, yeah insecure and it's quite interesting when you see that kind of like when you, you see that projected and obviously you you look at the character completely different but you know when you're watching it i mean it, it has that moment where you're looking at the you know the officer rookie and I, i'm rolling my eyes thinking oh my god you know it's another rookie kind of thing and i think he doesn't he not say something in a line like you know, he worships bun in some way you know he sort of idolizes him doesn't he yeah he's been studying his cases uh during um his uh education so yeah and the, the sort of the film begins to kind of when it sort of goes in when it was the plot starts kicking because it deviates as well doesn't it between yeah the film is split between officer ho's point of view and bun's point of view and we get both their perspectives and uh, on the events that is that are taking place. So we're not just getting Bun's fantasies and delusions, but we're also getting Ho's objective point of view. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. So again, that's a, you know, it's an interesting kind of play on thing. But I mean, one of the things that goes on throughout is is these kind of massive swings in shifts in tone, where it suddenly goes from being like the ear cutting off for example is obviously quite disgusting in many respects and it's very disturbing and then the next thing it's like we're kind of having a, a scene of apparent humor i mean there's that kind of scene where he starts weeing on someone when they're in the restaurant i mean what did you make of that i mean what did you find it funny or or what you know what are we meant to think of that i do find that funny i enjoy these um these extreme juxtapositions of scenes where he is uh you're not you're you're getting more and more uncomfortable as a viewer, but you're st you're not sure whether you're allowed to laugh. Uh, yeah. And then, especially when you suddenly do laugh, there is usually a, a shift in tone exactly at that moment where I'm laughing, where it turns extremely serious and it turns dangerous, uh, where he's uh, trying to 
uh, or he's holding a gun, pointing a gun towards him. And I, I enjoyed where Johnny Toe is, he's playing with my emotions, or at least I am like putty in his hands where I'm going along with the ride. And I, I was thinking, um, especially the uh, Korean uh, monster film, The Host. Yeah. It does that extremely well, um, where we are constantly unsure of what is the correct viewing of this scene. Or is it supposed to be comedic when we see a family breaking down in tears? But it goes on for so long that becomes comedic. Yeah. And I, it maybe it's an Asian thing. I don't know. But it, it's just this jumping from comedic to tragic to disturbing to exciting and then it's then it's funny again uh, i i enjoy this roller coaster of a ride yeah and i think i think if you said you know, it completely rings true and i think perhaps that's one of the reasons why i don't so much kind of get into these films because i'm, I'm mm. not sure about how i'm meant to be feeling about them and as such um it, it sort of leaves me a bit stranded. But one of the things, I mean, going back to Mad Detective, when I, when I saw it the second time, is that you realise it's, it's also an incredibly sad film in many yeah. respects. And I think that's, you know, with what happens with with Bun, is this sort of, like all good films, you can sort of take it on its kind of face value. We can kind of dig a little bit deeper. And essentially, this is a film about someone who is struggling to come to terms with the breakup of his marriage, isn't it, really, with his wife? And there's that scene where he goes out for dinner with them and he's kind of, um, sorry, Officer Ho and his wife and they, they go out for a meal and it's it's it, what should be a foursome is actually a threesome. Yeah. And we don't know that. Uh, we think that she's dead, but uh, they're actually just divorced. But we don't know that at that point in the movie. Yeah. I mean, I actually, when I first saw it, I thought she was dead. And I thought that was going to be, I thought they were going to go down that kind of cliche path, you mm-hmm. know, where it's the sort of, you know, you know, she killed herself or something because he was so dead. How did you feel about that twist when you found out that they're actually just divorced and that she looks entirely different and it's a different person than the one yeah. he's uh, sort of fantasizing about? Well, that, that, that's it. Because this is a, it's a very unforgiving film, Mad Detective. It does not. You have to keep up with it, and it plays by its rules. And when I suddenly realised that, I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, and the, the fact that you know, we find out that he is actually, you know, mentally ill. This isn't some sort of, you know, I, I suppose it's, it's not like some kind of superpower that he has, is it? I don't, no. it, it? It's a form of mental illness, and suddenly it became very, very tragic because you know he's being used, really, isn't he? And sort of everyone around him, sort of kind of you know, kind of just tolerates his rather bizarre behaviour. And when I found out she was actually alive, I, 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 I that did surprise me. And I thought it was quite a welcome surprise as well, because you can imagine what it must be like living with this guy. I mean, you know, it's completely crazy. Because there's that brilliant scene where um, I think Officer Ho goes around his house and he starts arguing with her, doesn't he? Yeah. And you, and you suddenly... The first scene uh, yeah, where yeah. they meet, yeah. And she's slamming around in the kitchen and he's like having a go at her. And then... Because... The, the the thing about the direction, one of the things I do like about Johnny Toast's direction is that he cuts from um, perspectives, doesn't he, from the characters. So you'll see, obviously, Officer Bun seeing his wife, then it'll cut to the perspective of Officer Ho and she's not there. And you just see him kind of running around in the, the room, as it were, being crazy. And uh, that's quite interesting when you see, you know, that, that kind of change in perspective. But, I mean, that, that dinner scene, I thought that was really, really sad. And I, I suddenly felt this kind of like almost sort of guilt almost for kind of like looking at this guy and sort of laughing at him because you suddenly realize you know that it's just it's just a very sad man who's kind of just struggling basically to kind of get on with his life yeah but still you get that a motorcycle scene with him uh just after the um 
the dinner scene and uh, you sort of get to sympathize with him as well not only feeling sad for him but you're also you empathize with how he's feeling and uh, you you get more of an understanding of his um of his psychology basically of his mindsets seeing them together and the reactions of everyone around them yeah and yeah, this is the thing about about you know I, I find it in a lot of kind of police films, police procedures, and stuff like that. And one of the things I do like about Mad Detective is the fact that in often in these films, the powers of deduction that these police have, I think they they do almost literally have superpowers. I mean, if you ever watch like episodes of Columbo or Kojak or things like that, you know mm. they they're so much more. They, they seem to know things which it's almost impossible to that anyone could tell and. What I do like about this, I mean, his sort of ability to kind of go in and kind of see the crimes, um, it it has some kind of basis in the fact that he is obviously kind of mentally ill. Yeah, and it's it, you know it's not some super. He's he's actually ill, and he's actually you know knowingly kind of allowing this illness to because he stopped taking his medication, hasn't he? So basically, he is sort of allowing himself to go sort of slightly kind of you know down this kind of darker path, but. I mean, the other thing as well, I mean, the film, I mean, you know, I think it's the scene where he's, he's, his neighbour says something like, oh, you know, he's just a madman or something like that. And, you know, again, that's a thing that sort of when people sort of you see him being mocked in the film, I did feel really sorry for him. And, you know, you sort of thought, you know, living alone in that kind of fortress apartment that he has with all its locks, it's just, a, you know, a very sort of sad existence that this guy's had and again i think that's a very noir kind of touch isn't it you have the sort of the central character who's a bit of a loner and this one is not only is he a loner but he's also actually kind of mentally ill which is kind of you know uh all the more tragic as we said it's interesting that is this isolated alone character because it seems like he's punishing himself that he he's been left by his wife but when he's alone, he's actually more capable as an officer. Yeah. Really. So I found that he doesn't choose to be isolated, uh, but through being isolated, that helps him as a detective. Yeah, and this thing, I mean, it's, and is it ever explained why he's actually left the police force? I think he was discharged right. uh, through the air incident that we see in the first scene. Right, because that's but that's, that's another thing I, I don't really kind of get. I don't even know it's really explained that way. Is what and obviously kind of he's kind of the person who solves case, but you know, why would they go back to him knowing that he's like that? I think that uh, that is Officer Ho's decision that he's been studying this detective uh, through his education and that he looks up to him and yeah yeah, yeah I it just I, I don't know I guess it's, it, it's a cliche and yeah. it's it's sort of, sort of a a gimme to get the film to work really yeah yeah and i mean i suppose we kind of like you know, go for the film i mean to me this film falls apart about 50 minutes 45 minutes 50 minutes where i'm just like what what really what is going on here and that ending just completely threw me i mean i although it was kind of like i suppose like technically kind of quite impressive i suppose i did not get what was going on at all I have to be brutally honest with you. I mean, what, what, what did you make of it? The most interesting aspect of it was the uh, multiple personalities through the visuals and the uh, all the mirrors and all that. The, the mise-en-scene re- works really well. But in terms of the narrative, you have to... It's not easy summing up the ending uh, in a basic, straightforward way because I had to... 
I think I had to rewind that last forty-five minutes yeah. a few times to get ca- to catch all the all the details because he only mentions them once, and after you mention the detail, he's not gonna refer to it again. You just have to get it, and if you don't get that that certain detail or that other certain detail, you're not gonna get the ending. Yeah, and it's a well-constructed film in that. Things pay off later in the film, but it's an unforgiving film, as you said. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, already, I I just sort of sat there and thinking, I don't get this, I don't understand what is going on, and I've watched it you know, three, four times now, and I, I'm still not entirely sure that I've really sort of, you know, grasped it in its entirety. I mean, the one thing I'd say, I mean, it's an extremely bleak ending. I mean, there's no getting around that. I mean, and it, it really is an extremely bleak film. I think Mad Detective. It doesn't really offer much in the way of sort of nicely kind of round up you know everyone's happy together type thing it's a cynical film in many respects you know it's very you don't have that moment you don't walk away from it do you with that sort of feeling where you know like the end of a john woo film where you sort of the the hero looks back lights a cigarette and you see like 30 dead ninjas lying around and he kind of kisses the girl and makes off you know it's not like that (laughs) at all you know you sort of sat there at the end thinking christ you know it's it's, in a way the the ending sort of i think it kind of it's like a bit like seven or something like that you know you, you don't walk out the cinema kind of buoyant you walk out kind of head down you know kind of get, get get me away from all this type of things very much so because um as we as i was talking about earlier uh host journey through the film it sort of mirrors um chai wise journey in that he's starting off as this uh up-and-coming rookie but through all these circumstantial events he is sort of forced to manipulate the situation in that he won't be uh prosecuted himself yeah yeah, and yeah, it's it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Where you, it, it yeah, again, it, I keep saying it, but I mean, it, it's the cliche, isn't it? Of the cop, you know, who starts off just wanting to do good and be good, and then realizes that the world that he lives in isn't like that, and he won't be able to, you know, he he, he simply in order to do his job or whatever to get on in life, he's going to have to become kind of corrupt in the end. And mm. it, yeah, yeah, it's it, again, anyway, we've seen it many many times before, but I think I think Mad Detective kind of ramps that factor up by a factor of 10 you know i think by the end of it you're just like thinking jesus you know and I, i'm glad i mean in many respects we we get some aspects of the end that we get because I, I would be concerned that you know this you could perhaps think about turning this into some kind of a series you know there's, it doesn't seem to be you know you can see like the kind of the adventures of detective bun getting extremely tired and i think it does you know tell a very sort of you know self-contained story but Having gone back and seen it again, I'm still. I think one of the things I can say honestly about it is the kind of I I do really like the technical aspects of it of, of Johnny mm. Toes. I just think that as a kind of story wise, this film just doesn't. I think it gets too much really. I think the plot and the kind of the interests of it. And I think it's just asking a little bit too much, perhaps, to kind of keep it all together. In a way, I feel like it's kind of trying to have a cake and eat it a little bit. I think the thing that I most enjoy isn't the narrative because, as you said, it's. It's very basic and it's uh, very cliche, but the thing I enjoy about it is the complexity and all these different personalities is uh, just seeing the creation of all these uh, personalities, uh, especially with uh, Chai Wai, the bad guy, so to speak. Um, We can see uh, in the wood scene where he's uh, letting the Indian uh, go away suddenly there pops up another character who is this fat guy who is um basically really unsure and then we see the more of the brutes yeah who just wants to solve everything with a gunshot and then we see this manipulative uh woman who sort of 
she's the one that sort of arranges and dominates everyone, basically. And I, I just really enjoy that aspect of the film. And you can see that Ho's, Officer Ho character uh, at the end, he sort of um, gets revisited. He gets a visit from uh, one of these company women, so to speak. I don't know if Johnny Toe is commenting on feminism or anything like that, but... Yeah, and I think you know, the, the technical aspects of the film as well, I really enjoyed. Now, and this is going to be slightly strange, but when I, when I went back and noticed this, did it seem to you like some of the framing of the shots as if there was like that sort of a... Almost like they, like they were being squeezed or something, or like there was some something going on with the lens... Where yeah, that... I don't know what that was because I noticed it as well. And I think I noticed it when I was watching it theat- theatrically. So it's something in the movie. It's not uh, something with a transfer. Yeah. yeah, no, and I was thinking it's an extremely strange way. And I mean, as a director, like a lot of these guys, I knew someone who used to, um, he was actually a cinematographer. He worked in Hong Kong cinema. And he was one of the most talented people I ever worked, I ever met really or worked with because yeah, these guys, they, they work, you know, they do, they, they do, like two two three films a month sometimes you know these guys and as such they know every single trick in the book to get kind of you know quick setups and stuff like that because this film it bobs along at a tremendous pace doesn't it mm. and the camera it just never stops moving as far as no. i could see and it's constantly there's always something going on about it and in a way this is one of the things that i i, I do really enjoy about it because when i was doing my short film you know you read a lot of um you know how to make a short film books you can't help it when you're sort of starting out and you you sort of read these things and there's just these massive lists of do's and don'ts don't zoom in don't do this don't do that don't <laughs> don't and it, and it, you're reading them and a good deal of it is an absolute load of bollocks i have to be honest with you you just sort of sat there thinking you know, don't use zooms well you know, tell that to tell, tell that to Ridley Scott. You know, so he do, does yeah. use him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure he have a slightly different opinion on that. And this is one thing I do love about it because it seems just it just gets the rule book and certainly get, I suppose it gets the rule book of kind of narrative cinema and chucks it out the window and just does its own thing. And I really, um, you know, I, I love the work that he does here. Yeah, I saw Johnny Toe's um, Criterion Top Ten list, and he had uh, on it Seven Samurai, High and Low, Peckinpah, yeah. Straw Dogs, uh, Kobayashi Sarakiri. Uh, Melvis, Le Samurai, and Le Circle Rouge. So you can definitely see those influences on Mad Detective. Definitely, and certainly with um, Le Circle Rouge, I think because um, I, that, that's one of my favourite film, one of my favourite kind of um, kind of crime films, as it were. And you, you, when I when I saw that list and I was thinking about Mad Detective, I was thinking about yeah, I don't know if you've seen Le Circle Rouge, but there's like a guy in that who kind of sits in his um, apartment alone, and like you kind of see like um, he's, he's like imagining like animals and stuff like that, and insects walking around him, and he's obviously kind of severely kind of you know, having mental issues, as it were. And certainly, you know, obviously that's kind of reflected in Mad Detective. But you think about the film; it repeats itself a lot, doesn't it? The some of the shots, especially the kind of the um, the stuff at the the restaurant. And you see kind of two different perspectives. And I, I, I did really enjoy that. I, you know, I think it was a quite, you know, obviously quite a playful way of kind of doing the film. And it, you know, it did work for me. But I think overall, I mean, what, the sort of the look of the film as well, it's quite a muted film, isn't it? It's not a bright kind of gaudy affair. No, it's not. Uh, but I do like the visual aspect of it. But um, the only thing I noticed uh, visually was that uh, there was sort of a yellow tint on the edges of the film at some scenes. Did you notice well, that? I didn't, to be honest with you, no. But I mean, um, I, I just thought it's quite a murky looking film. And not. And I don't mean that kind of like, I, I don't think that's, 
inherently in the transfer. I think that's the, obviously the deliberate look that mm. they've gone through. It's quite oddly, oddly enough. I know I've mentioned Ridley Scott a couple of times this episode, but this visually this film reminded me a little bit of Black Rain in some yeah. respects. I, I I kind of I'm sure you know I, I don't know if obviously you'd watched that, but that it there was a lot of the kind of the iconography of this film seemed to come from that, and especially kind of the motorbike stuff. And um, yeah, that was something I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to know, you know, whether or not it kind of was was influenced by that at all. But certainly, yeah. some of the interiors were very dark and murky, weren't they? With kind of like the light being diffused through smoke and things like that. And yeah, like I said, really, I think when it comes to this type of cinema, you can't fault the technicality, the technical side of it. It's just perhaps the story side, which I think it's certainly inventive. There's no denying that. It's certainly this is unlike any any sort of thing i've seen really in terms of characters i suppose but overall i tend to find that this sort of it's pretty to look at but i i I am slightly disengaged from it i have to be brutally honest with you was anything you wanted to talk about like the music as well things like that i just noticed that usually in these hong kong asian films the music is sort of this sugar sweet pop music yeah Uh, and and, uh, it's really jarring Especially when you watch American and European, where there's usually more orchestra-related uh, scores and such. But here you have these; it's sort of a pop album. And I mean, I know sound slightly strange, but I think it sounds cheap a lot of the time. It, it does, yeah. It, I know. it can sound good, but it usually sounds a lot uh, cheaper than it would had they used. Yeah, Pro- proper sound, if we can say that. Yeah, and, and it's very melodramatic a lot of the times, isn't it? I, I, it's it's. Yeah, like I said, it just it, it's like TV movie kind of stuff, and it yeah, like I said I think it's one of the things that probably like kind of takes me out of it. But I mean, I, I've sort of kind of summed up my feelings on it. What what what's your kind of overall opinion of Mad Detective? I think I'm I'm a bit more positive than you are, but uh, I I recognise the the difficulties narratively, but I just enjoy this complicated, this uh, sort of puzzling aspect of it that um, I have to pay attention and. The more I watch it, the more I find that I enjoy it. So, and I also in, really enjoy the just uh, the visual aspects, the color use, and the smoke, as we talked about, and the lighting, and uh, yeah. And I enjoy the characters as well. So, it's not that, like my favorite uh, MSC film uh, at all, but uh, it's just one that shows that you can throw in these much more entertaining films, in my opinion, than something yeah. like. Showa, for example. Yeah. Showa is not an entertaining film, although it's very important. Yeah. But this is more like I can throw this on with my mates and we can all enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, I think it's important for films, um, you know, for both Criterion and Criterion Cinema to, to, do, to look at contemporary cinema as well and kind of get those releases out because... Otherwise, you know, films like Mad Detective, I think it's a good thing it's out there. And, you know, it's, it's certainly, you know, I, I can't see any other kind of distributors wanting to pick this up. You know, and I think it's important they do that. And I mean, I know a lot of kind of the Criterion releases release um, Echo, sort of um, the Artificial Eye releases here in Europe. And I, I think it's, I hope they do more of these types of films. Because to my knowledge, I don't think they've done many more contemporary films, have they, in in certainly on the Blu-ray side of things. I'm trying to think of the top of my head now, and I, 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 I hope that they would kind of pick up a few more titles like this and kind of put them out. Tokyo Be- Sonata is probably yeah, the that's only a good one. call actually, yeah. Um, but also not just focus on Asian cinema. I think you know, there's obviously it's world cinema for a reason. You know, there are there's a whole kind of you know there's so many other kind of different types that you can kind of get teeth into. I, I hope that this isn't sort of the last um, 
contemporary one that we have but overall i just want to talk about the blu-ray a little bit because um i think it's not the type of um it's not reference material is it in terms of pitch quality um but it's certainly it has a kind of quite a, a good selection of kind of sound options. I mean, it had a Dolby True HD soundtrack, a DTS uh, Master HD soundtrack and a stereo soundtrack. So yeah, it's got lots of options on it. I listened to both um, the True HD soundtrack and the um, D- uh, DTS one. I couldn't really tell any differences, to be honest with you. I think it just comes down to a point of preference and what kind of decoding um, facilities you have in your home cinema setup. But certainly, you know, it's not a film I don't think it's, it doesn't really kind of utilise the kind of the rear channels a great deal. It's kind of quite front heavy, but certainly very clear, very good and decent quality. Um, picture wise, like I said, I don't think this one's going to kind of jump out at you. Do you but I think it, for what it makes the best of what's there, I think that'd be the yeah. best way I could describe it's really, it. It's uh, not like blowingly sharp or anything, but, uh, but it's very muted as we talked about. But this uh, blue tint that is uh, throughout the film, I think it works uh, quite well. But it's not like this is a reference film for, uh, to showing off your system or anything, no. No, and I mean, the strange thing was I think on um, like I think Blu-ray.com, which is one of my favourite websites for kind of getting reviews like this. I mean, they gave the picture four and a half out of five. That's quite generous, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would say that um, because I think that might give a false impression to people that this is going to be you know the sort of incredible uh, you know visual treat. And I, I certainly think it's like I said, I, I I do like it when they make the best of what's there. I don't think you know, there's not sort of a great deal of sort of artificial, um, you know noise reduction kind of applied to it it seems to kind of be pretty loyal, faithful to what's actually there so mm. definitely uh we were t- uh, we were talking about the audio and did you notice uh, any difference in the lip sync or dubbing uh between the two tracks i didn't actually know um that's something i didn't actually pick up on um, but did you notice it in the movie at all because no, I, I i didn't it feels like uh i think they uh do a sound post uh, in post production Right. Uh, on this film and right. i noticed that uh some of the sounds were out of sync with their mouths but uh i don't know if you noticed that i didn't notice that to be honest with you um i i, th- I think i was probably too busy reading the subtitles to kind of <laughs> fully pay attention to that um it didn't doesn't have a dub soundtrack on it does it this one as well i don't think no it doesn't it, it has a 2.0 and a two yeah, yeah. Five no, no, that's uh, that's gonna, i was gonna say i'm 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 pretty i'm a bit of a nazi when it comes to things like that because i, I don't i don't like dub tracks I don't no. think they should. I don't think they should be options. I think if, you know, you should read or not bother. And I know it sounds incredibly snobbish that, but I, it's a um, European thing. It's weird, but uh, I've never, I've never been the one to listen to dub tracks at all. Me neither. No, I came home um, a few weeks ago. My, my girlfriend was watching um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and uh, she had it on the dub version, and I was like, "Get that off, start, <laughs> start again." And she was just like, "What?" Well, but but you know, I was like, "No, no, get that off right now." And that, it. I, I know some people who don't mind doing dub tracks and I, I've listened to a few of them. They always sound awful, just totally stupid. And I just think, I can't imagine why anyone would, you know, just don't bother. That would be my Do you feel of... the same about animation films or? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I, I just, I, it's, 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 it's a no brainer for me. It has yeah. to be in the original language. Um, the one thing I would say actually, um, I, I was watching uh, the Pasolini uh, trilogy of life box set the other day, and there was a dub version of the Canterbury Tales, and it was quite strange because I had the subtitles left on for the Italian version, and the difference between the subtitles and the dub version was massive. 
Yeah, and that's one thing that I've noticed uh, when I was in my early film stages and I was uh, sorting out what my preferences were. And just, I, I didn't know which one to trust. So I, yeah. I usually trust the subtitle version over the dub version. I mean, I used to work in subtitling, so I do know a bit of a few tricks of the trade. And I know some, I, I, there has been a few releases that I've seen over the years where um, I, I think especially the um, Let the Right One In subtitles in the, for the American release were abysmal in terms of the you know, the amount of detail they left out. And there is an art to it, obviously. And mm. um, when it's done badly, and I've, I've known a few films where people you know, who speak French or something like that, and I've, I've gone to see films with them, and I've come out and they've, 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 they've talked to me afterwards about how much I've missed out because of the subtitles. And that it does concern me a little bit sometimes, because if, you know, if you're only seeing an essence of what is actually meant to be there, I think, you know, that's just one of the reasons why I might struggle a bit with Mad Detective. I don't know, you know, is certain details being missed out? I don't know, but it's certainly, you know, anyone out there speaks Cantonese, you know, are we getting an accurate uh, representation <laughs> of what is going on? But extras wise as well, there's quite a lot on this, isn't there? The, 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 I actually think the best extra is the David Bordwell essay that comes with the booklet. Yeah, I would agree because uh, they have this one hour Q&A from a film festival uh, which was uh, a sort of a retrospective film festival, I think, yeah, that yeah. covered most of Toe's films. But they don't really go in depth into any of his films. They go no. mostly into uh, The Mission, which seems to be the film that they are showing at this Q&A. But uh, they also have a lot of individual interviews with the main actors and the uh, the fat one. I can't remember his name. Yeah, But... I, I, it's mostly PR fluff uh, material, yeah. I think. Yeah, and and the, I'm a, I'm not a big unless it's sort of criterion sort of things. I'm not a big huge fan of a lot of extras. I don't like the sort of the oh, it was great working with blah de blah. You know, I mm. like the kind of the slightly kind of the film essays and stuff like that. And I think this film's crying out for something like that, really. Um, perhaps a commentary or something like that from someone who you know gets really into these. Uh, kind of Asian cinema. It's interesting when you hear someone who knows what they're talking about in this kind of on these types of films. Someone like you know, kind of like Mark Commode. I've just read a book about um, he wrote called The Good, The Bad, and The Multiplex, and he was talking about kind of Asian. One thing he was talking about Asian cinema and was how he watched a lot of it, and then he became kind of aware of like you know the importance of water and the significance of it in Asian cinema and how it kind of changed his sort of outlook on how he viewed that type of cinema. And I think perhaps Mad Detective would would have benefited from someone who has that kind of you know sort of obsession with that that cinema because a lot of things as well you know things i don't know um if any of the um sort of the manifestations that uh bun sees i don't know if they have any kind of relevancy to you know to chinese culture i don't know you know and this is the type of thing i yeah. wouldn't mind of found it founding out but overall i think it's a fairly solid package um i've seen it going on amazon for about 11 quid um i'm not quite sure how much it is on the masters of cinema site um yeah just for the record this is a region abc blu-ray release so it will play abroad so if you were wanting to kind of check it out uh, i mean would you say kind of in terms of overall kind of releases where does this kind of one rank for you uh, i would recommend it i i would maybe as a rental at first yeah uh, not as a blind buy because uh you have to uh like you said it's a, it's a sensibility thing where you either like it or you don't get the comedy but as a release i think it's pretty uh, i think it's a pretty decent uh, release um i don't i don't think you're gonna uh, you're not gonna hate it if you buy it yeah i mean i i 
like I mean, I'm you know, it's, I'm not massively keen on it, but I think there is something there. Yeah, it's definitely an oddity. I think it's something which is kind of it's not exactly you won't have seen anything like it. I think in some respects and in some in other respects, I think it is kind of achingly familiar. But it, overall, I think it, you know, in terms of um, my, my sort of masters in my collection, it, this is one which I sort of. It's there. I can't see myself going back to it a great deal in the future. I might do, you know, for other reasons. But I mean, like I said, I'm apathetic towards it. And that's a very strange kind of place to be when it comes to films. Because, you know, especially in nowadays where everything's kind of, you you have to kind of express love or hatred of things in kind of, you know, take to Facebook or what have you and kind of... I, I I don't know about you, but I know it's a lot of films at the moment. They have two reviews. There's one one out of five and five out of five. <laughs> and that seems to be the sort of you know the general you know you either love it or hate it. And this is one which kind of fits in the middle. I, I I'm very unsure about it, and it, it tends to be films like that which kind of fall by the wayside with me. If I if for some reason if I hate a film, sometimes I'm more intrigued to go back to it than if I love it because I want to know about what why it is I don't like it. You know, especially if I've been told like yesterday I watched Cabin in the Woods for example, which I really didn't enjoy at all and mm. i'm quite intrigued as to why i didn't enjoy it and mad detective just one which i just sort of think yeah you know i've seen it a couple of times i have no sort of desire to sort of go back to it again but um i think that's going to be it for this episode Is there anything else you want to kind of add um we could uh say a thank you to richard davies because he has made the artwork for masters of cinema cast so a big thanks to him. Uh, you can check out his work at www.turksworks.co.uk and that is Turks, T-U-R-K-S. Brilliant stuff. And like I said, if you want to get in contact with us, um, come over to the temporary blog site, which is moccast.blogspot.com. That domain will change quite soon as soon as I've worked out how to do it. But for the time being, that's where you will find us. And the blog that we put up, it's going to be a bit kind of basic looking, I suppose. But um, as I said, that will be kind of changing uh, over the next couple of months. So many thanks for listening. Yeah, if you want to get in contact with us, it's mastersofcinemacast at gmail.com. Follow us on twitter moc underscore cast okay so that's going to be it from us for this week and we will be in contact soon many thanks for listening